0: Programming notes episodes, the general concept is that you can get an extended summary of episodes if you decide that you'd rather have that than listen to the episodes themselves, as well as some notes about what's going on in the community or how you can be helpful and useful in the community. Programming notes for the week of September 25th, 2022. Happy, if that's the correct word to pair with it, Rosh Hashanah to any Jewish listeners out there. As I previously discussed, I'm trying to start with a quick quick recommendation at the beginning of these, or just something that's been kind of positive going on in the world. So just wrapping up on my side, the extended Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. I enjoyed the books that aren't Part of the original trilogy, but I will say that the original trilogy is far better. If you want to just read three books, I would say go with that rather than trying to do the whole seven. But overall, it's quite good. Some of the gender aspects don't hold up well at all to uh, kind of a twenty twenty two light, though. So be a bit prepared for that letdown. A call to action is to send me your potential questions for the next series of Max Corner episodes. What do you really want to hear? from JMAC, from the creator of Data Mesh herself. We will open voting on the set of questions for the next recording session quite soon. So watch the Slack for more detail about voting, but get involved so you can get the info you want. Send me the questions that you want. So what's going on for in the episodes this week? On Monday, we've got episode 133, Nitty Gritty from the Deployment Committee, Crucial learnings on driving buy-in and data product discovery, which is an interview with Amara Gafur. So this one is pretty eye-opening in a lot of ways. There's some pretty controversial things in this episode, too, some controversial opinions. Should you actually have your source-aligned data products available on the mesh for the broader organization? Amara doesn't think so. And there's a lot of really good perspective from someone helping lead the implementation of a very large data mesh implementation. She's also working with a few additional clients too, but you know she's been kind of knee deep in this for at least 18 months. On Wednesday, it's going to be Jimax Corner, episode 134, JMAX Corner 5, from pipeline to product, a crucial evolution in data and data tooling. So in the continuation of my conversation from the previous UMax corner, um, we dig into what really has to change in our fundamental approach to data, the pipeline thinking, instead of product thinking, right? We really have to move towards that product thinking. And how most current tools are intrinsically tied to a pipeline approach. People were doing this pipeline approach, so people built tools to support that pipeline approach. What could we actually unlock if we move towards real product thinking and data? And kind of where do the tools need to head? And then on Friday, we've got episode 135, iterating consciously and quietly towards data mesh capabilities, which is an interview with Balvinder Korana. So Balvinder shared a lot of insights from working with clients where they would significantly benefit from moving towards data mesh, but they don't really have the will or the desire, right? These clients have already spent a lot of time and effort and money building their their data platform. So now all of a sudden you say, okay, we're going to completely change that. It's not really the way data mesh needs to go from an evolution standpoint, but it can be from a mental uh, block standpoint. So how can you execute kind of a quiet pivot? So you're building out the capability so domains can more easily own more and more responsibility over their data and that you're building out the platform to to help enable that. You know, iterating towards data mesh in a conscious manner, but not making it kind of the, the key or main focus of the data strategy. So I think that'll be helpful for a lot of people out there that are trying to not necessarily hide <laughs> data mesh. I don't think that's a great idea. But at the same point, not make it the kind of obvious and that you're setting people up for when the time is right to move towards data mesh, you've already got a lot of the capabilities built. So I think you'll enjoy both of those uh, interviews, as well as the JMax corner really uh, changed my my thinking a lot around a lot of things. So uh, with that, we'll get to the extended summaries for the interviews for this week. Ended summary for episode 133, Nitty Gritty from the Deployment Committee, Crucial Learnings on Driving Buy-in and Data Product Discovery, an interview with Amara Gafour. So in this episode, I interviewed Amara, who's a Principal Business Analyst at ThoughtWorks and who's been working on a few client projects related to data mesh, including one for well over a year. Before jumping in, it's important to note that much of Amara's learnings come from an implementation in a 100K-plus employee company split into 21 high-level domains. So the dom- definition of domain in this episode revolves around that context of a very large business unit, not a two-pizza team size subdomain like JGP talked about in a recent episode. So Amara started off the conversation sharing about how she and her team kind of quote-unquote had it all laid out for the plan to standardize how they'd bring each domain up to speed on data mesh from the introduction of new ways of working to being that domain being ready to participate in the data mesh implementation in just six weeks, right? It It's going to be the same approach for each domain. And then reality struck. Each domain is different and much like trying to explain the benefits of or implementation of data mesh, a single approach for all audience just didn't work well. So they adapted. Every domain is unique and requires its own unique approach to make implementing data mesh in that domain work. There are, of course, commonalities, right? If there weren't any, this just wouldn't work as well. But each of the 13, 14 domains that are a part of the data mesh implementation thus far has had its own unique challenges. So Amara shared some stories about working with different stakeholders. Often the first stakeholder they encountered was an IT sponsor for the domain itself, either an IT leader in the domain or an IT counterpart for the domain. This persona typically wanted to bring, you know, Amara and team in and welcome them with open arms. And while they were often bought in on data mesh, there was a push, you know, from IT and often the business side to only speak with IT. So Amara and team had to work to get permission to also include the business people in the conversations about their proposed data transformation, because without the business support and knowledge, your data mesh implementation is likely to fail. How many episodes have said tie your data strategy to your business strategy, but the business people often have what they need to some degree, or at least believe they have what they need via shadow IT? So why would they want to give that up? It's an emotional response to be asked to give up what you have for the greater good in the long term. There is a concept of of immediate returns. You you build a dashboard and there is immediate potential value versus the mid to longer term returns from things like building your data platform and building out your data governance capabilities. Amara has seen many times there is not any incentive to wait and focus on the mid to long term results. If your funding this year is based on results this year, or especially if your funding next quarter is based on your results from this quarter, focusing on your results two to three years out is often, it doesn't feel like an option. They won't get rewarded for that long-term work, and most domains don't even have the capabilities to do said mid- to long-term high-value work. But to do data mesh right, we need to incentivize that patience. And incentivize and provide the capabilities to do things right for the long haul instead of just the short, short term, low stakes wins, right? Easier said than done, but really look how to do that. According to Amara, as part of a successful data mesh implementation, there is the technical stream, you know, the team topologies, meaning of a work stream, but you must also work on the operational stream at the same time and the product stream too. If you don't look to change domain's KPIs to align their operational work to data mesh, quote unquote, you won't prioritize it. You cannot prioritize it. You need to also put a metric into place to measure progress around your data mesh implementation. It doesn't even have to be a great measure. It's a way to start the conversation. There is too much of a hang up in data mesh around trying to get things perfect the first time. Get it to done. Measure it, test it, iterate on it, move forward, keep doing that. Don't let perfect be the enemy of done and or good. Don't fall to bike shedding. The current or the cost of change and the cost of failure in data historically has been very, very high, right? A lot of guests have said this as well. But we have new economic models with cloud that make that no longer true. We have the privilege to be able to fail. Mara said that, you know, quote unquote, the privilege to be able to fail. Failure wasn't really an option historically, but such a foreign concept to many in data, it will cause some to push back. What do you mean? I don't have to get it perfect. They've lacked the psychological safety and the guardrails and, and the protection to fail. And we have to understand why they are pushing back and worth. Work with them to understand that failure in a highly agile environment is is incremental learning. It's not necessarily a bad thing. So, another thing that Amaro talked about was after picking the two most obvious use cases in a domain, again, the very large business unit concept of a domain, she believes it will reveal five to six of the foundational source aligned data uh, or source oriented data products of the domain. That will be able to power most use cases. So, start building the MVP of those source aligned data products because they will support other use cases down the road as well. She talked about kind of when you zoom out, when you're in the weeds on a new use case, you'll go, Oh, I need these additional uh, source aligned data products. And then, if you kind of zoom out, you go, You know what? I just need to extend one that already exists by a little bit and it will support what i need it to do so you don't have to keep doing the same work over and over. On personas, Mara laid out a few that she and her team have run into. Listen to the episode if you want a full rundown, but we discussed the, you know, the IT sponsor, the business owner, the sideline watcher, the yes to your face, <laughs> the product owners and the data lake or other historical data paradigm builders, right? For Amara, a lot of the data mesh literature and conversations feel like they say there are new roles and therefore there isn't room for many existing data roles, like the data warehouse or data lake builders or maintainers. But she thinks that's not a great idea. And I agree. Jamak agrees, right? These are the subject matter experts in how the domain's data flows and systems actually work and can be excellent guides to bringing more people into the data fold as they themselves pick up new skills. Trying to hire your way to a data mesh is not a great idea. No one is redundant. Everyone has valuable knowledge. So I think we can really look at, hey, just because somebody's been doing data warehouse, as long as they're open to learning new ways of working, they're going to be extremely valuable for you. You need to make your IT sponsor successful in in order for your data mesh implementation to go broad in that domain. So that means learning the and communicating in the language of the business according to Amaro. That might mean you have to deal with the horror of PowerPoint presentations. And as many guests have said, the selling points and implementation details of data mesh don't stick with the broader audience the first time. Repetition, reframing, holding of hands, etc. You won't succeed if you try to just message once. Be prepared to repeat yourself, and then repeat yourself again. It's crucial to understand the three streams of work model, according to Amaro. The operating stream is, you know, quote unquote, building the cadence for IT and business to communicate in order to prioritize. This helps identify which data products will be built. The product stream is identifying the actual data products that need to be built, as in, what are the scope and the boundaries? The technical stream is about building the data product and the platform needs. Each of the three streams should have equal weighting. This is another way to think about your MVP thin slice. You must encapsulate some of each capability, each stream. As previous guests have also noted, many domains build data products that benefit themselves first in Amara's experience. This obviously makes it easier because there is more buy-in and no cross-domain communication and prioritization friction. But that is just the initial stages of a data mesh implementation, still in that phase one before you go before going truly broad. More domains are moving to support use cases across domains, so fa- phase two might be coming up soon for where Amara is working with her, her clients. Mara does not believe source-oriented data products, ones that are difficult to understand outside the domain, should be made freely available on the mesh. They should not be made available to business users within the domains or to other domains in general. And her reasoning is, is quite sound. If the data products are difficult to understand, it's easy to misuse them, and they are more likely to change with the source systems, so breaking changes, you know, versions are more common. Other domains can consume the information from those source-oriented, source-aligned data products in, you know, designed consumer-oriented data products instead of directly from source-oriented data products. Data scientists are a bit of another story as they are data literate enough to do some spelunking. But even then, data scientists beware. This is a controversial approach, but I think it's important to dig into. I think it's something to really think about because what we've been hearing across a lot of guests, and it's been an undercurrent in a lot of these, these conversations, it's really hard for the domains to share their data in such a way that people can kind of get a sense of what's going on in the domain rather than what's specific to a use case. So this also lowers the burden on the domains that they don't have to fully document and fully create this amazing data product that's going to be useful for for other domains. So uh, it's not where we want to be in the long run. In the short term, I think it's something people should consider. Do I think it's, it's the right answer? No. Do I think it's the wrong answer? No. Do I think it's probably right for a, a fair swath of people? Yeah, I think it might be. I think it's something to really look at. Amara is also seeing an interesting pattern relative to source oriented data products. When you really start to map out a lot of the obvious use cases for a domain, and remember a size of the domain in this context is quite large, it might seem like you need a large number of source-oriented data products. But when you zoom out further, it becomes clear that you can actually shrink those into a much smaller number, that five to six data products mentioned earlier for that domain. Right? Each incremental thing feels like you need more, but you really, when you zoom out and really look at it from a big picture perspective, you might only have five to six in a domain of 5,000 plus people. Right, The way things are evolving at Amara's current client is three layers relative to data products and use cases. For each use case, there are one or more, typically two, it sounds like, consumer-oriented data products. Then each consumer-oriented data product is derived from or powered by typically three to four source data products. So the domains are are able to create multiple consor- consumer-oriented data products off the same set of those five to six uh, source-aligned data products. But it's still early days, and will and will likely evolve further. Again, I think this is something that hasn't come up before, so this might only be um, specific to to her her big client, but it's something to really think about. And wrapping up, encourage people to think business need first instead of data first, you know, according to Amaro. Think about what business outcome you are trying to achieve and then work backwards to what data you need to address that business need. If we are just sharing information without intention, it can lead to misuse of data. Will people really understand it? Will it be compliant use? Sarita Bax had really good thoughts on this in her episode as well. Don't make things that you don't need yet. Extended summary for episode 135, Iterating Consciously and Quietly Towards Data Mesh Capabilities, an interview with, with Balvinder Karana. So in this episode, I interviewed Balvinder, who's a principal data architect at ThoughtWorks. So Balvinder started by discussing kind of the big question, is data mesh right for an organization, right in general, and especially right for them right now? You need to start from questioning, what are your key strategies? business strategies first before data strategies, and where you are right now. Data Mesh isn't your data strategy, and implementing Data Mesh doesn't happen in a vacuum. The real world is messy and ever-changing. So you need to line up your data strategy with your business strategy, and then you get to the fun of, okay, how do we even measure our success against our business goals, uh, especially with data? Once you have your business goals and how you will measure against them in place, Valvinder believes it's time to look at how can data help you reach your specific business goals and or measure your success against your business goals. Again, have those business goals in place first. Then you start to look at your data operating model to see if it will help you achieve those goals and measurement. That's when you start to ask if data mesh is right for you. When evaluating if data mesh is right for you, Valvinder recommends a multi-pronged approach. First is again look at the value cases. What does your organization want to achieve with data? The second is to ask what challenges are you facing right now. Will data actually help you address those challenges? What are you trying to do with data, and how would a more mature data practice help you achieve your goals? Right. This is something a lot of people overlook. There's, uh, you know, again that kind of underpants gnome thing of, uh, you know, get our data question mark profit, right? Really, is this going to drive your business results? And it's okay if it's not, but you shouldn't be investing a ton of time and effort into data if it's not going to. And the third of the the three is look at how you are structured. Do you have boundaries already set up around your domains or your lines of business, right? If these are aligned, then you can start to consider data mesh. If you aren't set up and you don't have those boundaries, it's going to be really, really tough to head down that path. So not paying attention to the intelligence lifecycle is one way Balvinder believes analytical approaches have failed in the past. We need to keep an eye on preventing that failure mode in data mesh. The intelligence cycle is about taking information, analyzing it, and then pushing the results of that analysis, either directly or indirectly, back into your operational systems and processes? Essentially, the so what of doing data analysis. Is there an actual impact to what you're doing? Actionable insights are only valuable if you actually take the action, after all. (laughs) Balvinder shared the story of an existing client with a centralized data team and an existing data platform. A request for new data would go to the central data team. The data team would reach out to a number of potential data-producing teams to try to figure out how to service the request. It took two to three months to get data from request to delivery, but it was a known quantity, even if it was slow. They knew who to reach out to, You know, the, the data consumers did, so they were hesitant to rethink their approach because they can eventually get the data they need. Will it be the same in Data Mesh? That's a risk, especially a psychological risk, many might not be willing to take. You know, should we really undertake this if if it's going to mean that I might not be able to get what I need? In order to implement data mesh in that kind of environment to alleviate that perceived risk, you should focus on business continuity per bout vendor. By moving more slowly and only making small incremental changes to the existing platform and ways of working, they were able to move more and more towards data mesh without having to get everyone bought in ahead of time. Adding capabilities and explaining the business value of each capability instead of trying to sell the data mesh concept as a whole meant they could continually deliver business value to their client. A thin value slice for each incremental capability with the selling point not being the tech. They created smaller milestones that led to a better path for their client. So when they actually do go in and, and really suggest that they should move towards data mesh, they've already got a lot of the capabilities in place. And it paid off, according to Bell vendor. Their clients has felt empowered to do things for themselves, the domains with, they felt the empowerment to do things for themselves with data. That team wanted to launch a new KPI and they already had all they needed to do it with the slow feeding method of adding capabilities and resources through a better platform. So they didn't need to go to the central team and they quickly launched their new KPI, right? That's a good big success story. So constant communication was crucial for Balvinder and team to drive engagement and buy-in for what, what they were doing with these new things in the platform. And it's important to not communicate just once as things will inevitably evolve as the real world changes. And It means you can deliver continuous improvements instead of trying for a big bang approach. Your domains will continuously change. Your platform will need to evolve, etc. There is a concept of too much iteration and change as well. It's okay to assess if something is good enough for now. You don't need things to be perfect. Look to change where there is the most benefit. For Balvinder, it's really easy to get overly focused on you know I want this in production yesterday. But when a data consumer says that, they must understand they need to compromise on quality and scope. It's not necessarily even you get to pick two out of uh, time to market, quality, and scope. There are aspects of all three if you focus, but if, and if you focus just on time to market, it will mean it's not the quality you want and the scope needs to be quite limited. So what really matters most to the business, Right, ask that question. And if the answer is always time to market, I, I believe you need to, you might need to talk to your data consumers about what really matters. Valvinder wrapped up on a theme many get, guests have touched on. Data Mesh is not some silver bullet. It won't solve all your challenges. You need to really think about if it's right for you. And there are many companies that aren't ready for Data Mesh, and that's OK too. So a few quick tidbits to wrap up on. A good signal to re-evaluate your domain boundaries is a dashboard is still used, but the owner no longer themselves uses it. They signal they don't want to own it anymore, so it needs a new owner. That probably means changing boundaries because the business need that drove the creation of the dashboard is no longer with the team that created that dashboard. <laughs> To drive buy-in for data transformation, especially something like data mesh, you should look to drive it from both top-down and bottom-up if possible. It can work with only one, but support from both makes it much, much easier. Having management support that the data initiative strategy aligned to the business strategy is important, but so is buy-in from the people actually doing the work. This is repeated through a lot of the episodes, but I think it's really important to keep hammering on this. Finally, it's okay to start out with lots of manual processes. Just be conscious about where you want to automate. Take on tech debt consciously. When it's time to improve that capability in the platform, invest in it. But don't try to build everything ahead of time.